Well, hello there, and welcome to another edition of Servant's Heart Chapel. I hope uh, this particular episode is a special blessing to you. So let's get right to it. So today is the Sunday before Christmas, the fourth Sunday of Advent, the season of which you remember the coming Messiah. And I've started each sermon with Isaiah 9. And if you have your Bibles, you're welcome to follow along with me, but I'll be going through, bouncing around through different verses so you can just listen or you can follow along. And Isaiah 9, verse 6, For a child will be born for us, a son will be given to us, and the government will be on his shoulders. He will be named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, and Prince of Peace. Now, we've talked about how Jesus is our wonderful counselor and our mighty God, our eternal Father. And now we're going to talk about him as our Prince of Peace. Um, there's a, a, a Hebrew word that's still, a Hebrew greeting still used today, um, and it's shalom. It means peace. You say hello, I say shalom. And, and, uh, if you were uh, in, in an Arab country, uh, you would say "Salam alaikum." It means peace be to you, and you respond with "Alaikum salam," which means yes, and uh, and it means peace be unto you as well. This greeting, this very old greeting. Um, it's been around for thousands of years where people greet each other by blessing one another with peace. Let's look at Luke chapter 10. Whatever house, uh, verse 5, so Jesus here in chapter 10 is giving the disciples instructions as they go about telling people, sharing the gospel. Verse 5, whatever house you enter, first say peace to this household. So Jesus is instructing the disciples to bless others with peace. And then John chapter 20, verse 19. When it was evening of that first day of the week, the disciples were gathered together with the doors locked because they feared the Jews. Jesus came stood among them and said to them, what did he say to them? Peace be with you. Jesus himself not only instructed others to bless others with peace, he himself blessed others with peace. And then we look at Luke chapter 2. Where we the, the, the story of the nativity is recounted, and Luke tells about the angels. Uh, verse 13, there was this multitude of heavenly hosts with the angel praising God, saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and what peace on earth to people he favors. I think it's safe to say, Marcos, that God wants us to have peace. 
Don't you like peace? Isn't it nice to have peace? Or would you rather have conflict with their fighting? Would you rather fight with your siblings or would you rather have peace? Peace. The Washington Post just recently asked people to give them in one word or phrase a description of 2020. Do you think, what what would you do? If you want to describe 2020 in one word or phrase, what might you come up with? Anybody want to give it a try? Yes, Robert. Conflict. Conflict, okay. COVID, okay. Anybody else? Well, here's what they came up with. Exhausting. Lost. Chaotic. Terrible. Relentless. Surreal. Limbo. Heartbroken. Nightmares. Broken dreams, stifling, and my personal favorite, dumpster fire. You know, none of those descriptions invoke feelings of peace, do they? Because 2020 has certainly brought us peace was not it, was it? We really could use some peace in our lives. Our community could use peace. Our nation could. Could use peace. Some causes of of not having peace in 2020. First, we have the disease, right? You mentioned COVID, disease, racism, sexual assault, riots and looting, mass shootings. All of these are related to sin. Did you notice that? They're related to sin. You say, Pastor Darrell, how is disease related to sin? Because we had disease because Adam and Eve sinned. Our world is a fallen. We didn't have disease in the world until we sinned. Sin this world brought disease and brought all that along with this fallen world, this broken world we live in. A peace, and in the meanwhile, we are starving for peace. For some peace and quiet and, and just a moment of peace and, and people out there just who are just beside themselves. In fact, they're there, there are people out there, there, I'm sorry, I, I'm, there are young people out there right now who are considering ending it all. Right this moment, in this town, they're considering ending it all because they have no peace in their life and they don't see the, that it's ever going to happen. No hope. And they just want peace. And so they feel like, just killing themselves is going to bring about that peace. People starving 
for peace. And this, this peace that we've lost, that we've been striving for, has been a battle from the very beginning. A peace, the first peace we lost was our peace with God. Did you realize that? When Adam and Eve sinned, a war began between us and God. Romans chapter 8. Uh, Let's see here. Um, Verse 6. Now the mindset of the flesh is death, but the mindset of the spirit is life and what? Peace. The mindset of the flesh is hostile to God because it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it's unable to do so. That yearning that that when you're tempted to do things you know is wrong, that's the mind the flesh yearning to go against God. It has been like that from the very beginning since the first moment Adam and, Adam and Eve sinned against God. There's been this inward hostility toward God. Romans chapter 1, verse 18. For God's wrath is revealed from heaven against all godlessness and unrighteousness of people who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. This inward hostility... They know it's right, and so, and so they they and they, they don't want to believe what's right. They don't want to do what's right. They want to do what they want to do, and so they suppress the truth. They hide it. They make excuses. Maybe you know people like that. Verse nineteen: Since what can be known about God is evident among them, these people people like God they know God, they know the Bible is true. Verse 20, for his invisible attributes, that is, his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly seen since the creation of the world, being understood through what he has made. As a result, people are without excuse. For they, though they knew God, they did not glorify them as God or show gratitude. Instead, their thinking became worthless and their senseless hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man, birds, four-footed. They began worshiping idols, false idols. And we see that everywhere today. They're not idols in forms of clay or stone or wood, but they're idols. People worshiping pleasure and worshiping uh, partying and worshiping uh, fancy clothes and, and worshiping uh, uh, sexual uh, pleasure. I just uh, read an article about Netflix series. Uh, is it called Pretty Little Things? Is the name of it? But teenage girls, and, and there's all kinds of horrible, evil stuff going on. And this is the same company that put out that very sexualized of, of prepubescent girls. 
what was it called? I can't remember. But they, they got a bunch of flack about that and and uh, they didn't take it off. They is worshiping all this everything but God and, and and they so they push away what is righteous. Verse 26, for this reason, God delivered them over to disgraceful passions. Their women exchanged natural sexual relations for unnatural ones. The men, the same way, also left natural relations with women and were inflamed or lust for one another. Men committed shameless acts with men and received their own persons, the appropriate penalty of the error. And because they did not think it worthwhile to acknowledge God, God delivered them over to a corrupt mind. So they do what is not right. And they're filled with all unrighteousness, evil, greed, wickedness. They're full of envy, murder, quarrels, deceit, and malice. They are gossips, slanders, God-haters, arrogant, proud, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, senseless, untrustworthy, unloving, unmerciful. Does that sound like the state of this world right now? Does that, is there anything in there that would invoke peace? No. There is a war going on, and it has ruined any any chance we have for peace. But you see, God had a plan for peace. Did you know that? God did not just leave us to ourselves to suffer on our own. Romans chapter 5, beginning with verse 8, But God proves His own love for us. That while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So we didn't deserve it. We were still enemies of God, but Christ died for us nonetheless. How much more then, since we have now been declared righteous by His blood, will we be saved through Him through wrath, from wrath? For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of His Son, then how much more, having been reconciled, will we be saved by His life? Jesus is, is God's plan to bring peace to us, to bring peace to you, to bring peace to me. I'm going to go back to Isaiah, where we started, the chap, but instead of chapter 9, we're going to go to another prophecy Isaiah gave regarding Christ, and that's found in Isaiah chapter 53. Seven hundred years before Christ, Isaiah penned these words. Who has believed what we have heard? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? He grew up before him like a young plant and like a root out of dry ground. He didn't have an impressive form or majesty that we should look at him. No appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men. A man of suffering who knew what sickness was. He was like someone people turned away from. He was despised and we didn't value him. Yet, he bore himself. He himself bore our sickness and he carried our pains. And we in turn regarded him stricken, struck down by God and afflicted. But he was pierced because of our rebellion, crushed because of our iniquities. Punishment for our peace was on him. And we are healed by his wounds. We all went astray like sheep. 
We have all turned to our own way. Did you know that? We've all, we all turned our own way and started living life our own way. And the Lord punished him for the iniquity or the sin of us all. Verse 7, he was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. Like a lamb led to the slaughter, like a sheep silent before her shears, he did not open his mouth. He was taken away because of the oppression and judgment and who considered his fate. For he was cut off from the land of the living. He was struck because of my people's rebellion. He was assigned a grave with the wicked, but he was with a rich man at his death because he had done no violence and had not spoken deceitfully. Yet the Lord pleased to crush him severely when you make him a guilt offering. He will see his seed, he'll prolong his days, and by his hand the Lord's pleasure will be accomplished. Who is this prophecy about? Yes, Marcos. You raise your hand, dude. Who's this prophecy about? Hey, good job. Did she whisper it to you? Yeah. That's okay. That's right. It's about Jesus. He, Jesus suffered and died so we could have peace with God. And once we have, if you have real peace with God, it doesn't matter what else is going on in your life. Whether you're rich and have a full stomach, or you're poor and you're hungry, or whether you're a free person, free to go wherever you want to, or you're a prisoner in the lowest dungeon, you have peace at that moment, no matter what. I talked about the young people right now who are considering suicide because they just feel like they have no hope. There's no peace in their hearts, and they don't see how there's going to be any peace. I know that very well because I experienced that myself. At 17 years old, I, I had no peace, no hope, and I decided what life wasn't worth living. But God found His way into my heart, and I surrendered everything to Him. At that moment, I had an amazing peace in my life. My home, thanks to the Lord, my home is at peace. And no, it, you know, I'm not without suffering. Past couple years have been a little rough for me. Because I love everybody who walks through those doors. And I care about them. And some people have made some really bad decisions. And they're far from God right now. And, and, and it hurts. Let's look at John chapter 14. Verse 27. 
Jesus said, Peace I leave with you. Peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Don't let your heart be troubled or fearful. Doesn't give as the world gives. There's not there's not strings attached. There's not uh, uh, pain and suffering. Along. It's not a false peace. The world gives false peace, doesn't it? It it it, it makes you think that you're protected, and you know, the Bible says a man's wealth is his wall, and and that could come tumbling down at any moment. And and if I just had this, I'll be happy. If I just do this, I'll be happy. I'll have peace. Not long ago, uh, Dr. Phil had a young lady on her show who uh, had OCD and, and she liked to hoard stuff. And, and it was all about control. Because she was, and, and, and she had almost no friends because no one could stand being around because she had to have things a certain way in her life. And, and, uh, <clears throat> Dr. Phil, you know, pointed that out to her that it, it was about control and, and a fear of letting go. And as she was talking about, tears started streaming down her face because it was true. People are using all these different things to try to obtain peace. But I'm telling you, Jesus is the best source of peace you can ever find. It needs to be a popular bumper sticker. You probably still find it. You know, no Jesus, no peace. N O, no, no Jesus, no peace. But then N O, K N O W, no Jesus, no peace. Absolutely true. You surrender with it, and if there's not peace in your life. Then you need to ask yourself. My first question: If there's not peace in my life, have I strayed from God? Have I sinned? Have I not trusted God? A lot of times the lack of peace is, is I start to worry about things that's beyond my control and it's not my job to worry about. Someone once said worry is momentary atheism. and you re- it's, I think it's true. You really do. You start to act like there is no God even though you believe there's a God and, 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 and you'll tell people there's a God but you, you worry your concerns Act as if there is no God. That he's not in control. That he doesn't everything is well in hand. That he doesn't love you. That he doesn't care about what's going on with you. The very same God, the Bible says, thinks deeply about you. Thinks many, many thoughts about each and every one of you. Knows a number of hairs on your head. Knows your heart better than you know yourself. And has been with you since before you ever, from the very moment you were inside your mother's womb, he's known you. Hey, guy, come on in. Yeah. Jesus, this is what we're talking about. This is John uh, 20. Let's go back to we write John 20, verse 19 once, but I want to go back to it again because it's an important verse. Here, disciples 
were in fear for their lives. They were locked in a room because they were scared that they were going to be hunted down because Jesus was dead as far as they were concerned. And they knew what and they knew that the Jewish leaders thought of them as just another group that was trying to to usurp their authority, trying to create a, a coup, and, and, and they knew that usually they get hunted down, whoever gets found gets killed to help eradicate any chances of that happening again. And so they're, they're scared, they're hunkered down. And Jesus comes among them and he says, Peace be with you. Jesus, I don't know what's going on in your heart and life today. I don't know what's happened with you this year. But I know this, that Jesus is near and he, and he wants to give you peace in your heart and life. Because he's already paid the price. We talked about that, right? Isaiah 53 has how Jesus gave his life for our peace. Peace in our hearts, which then bleeds out in the peace in our relationships. Not always. The peace in our relationships, peace in our lives. And then that ends up overflowing into us being able to bring peace to others. Well, we can say, peace be unto you. You have to love Jesus first. Yourself actually last. There's a, there's a song called Joy, um, where have joy is Jesus first, then others, then you. Yeah. In fact, uh, Jesus said uh, the greatest commandment is to love God with everything you have. God takes first place. And then to love others as much as you love yourself. We don't do that a lot. We fail. We fall short in that often. The... uh, John Milton wrote a poem entitled John Milton, Paradise Lost, a number of other books that are considered classics. I wrote the poem on the morning of Christ's nativity. And I won't read the entire poem because it's 21 stanzas but I will read the first stanza. This is the month and this the happy morn, wherein the Son of Heaven, eternal King, of wedded maid and virgin mother born, our great redemption from above did bring. For so the holy sages once did sing that he our deadly forfeit should release and with his Father work us a perpetual peace, a never-ending peace. In John 
chapter 4, verse 7. Jesus is at a well with a, a strange woman, and he starts talking to her. And it really wasn't appropriate by social norms. And she was wondering why this guy was talking to her. Maybe thought he was coming on to her at first because she'd been around. She had a lot of boyfriends, a lot of husbands. And he's talking to her and, and he tells her in verse 10, if you knew the gift of God who is saying to you, give me a drink, because he asked her for a drink of water, you would ask him and he would give you living water or flowing water. Sir, you don't even have a bucket. She thought he was for real. You don't even have a bucket. How are you going to get water out of, out of the well? <clears throat> then Jesus said, everyone who drinks from this water, this, the water of the well, will get thirsty again. But whoever drinks from the water I will give him will never get thirsty again. In fact, the water I will give him will become a well of water springing up in him for eternal life. It's a perpetual peace and that you can have and if you don't have it you need to find out why you need to get along with God and find out why because you can have it no matter what circumstances you're like or what your health is or your finances no matter what you can you can have that peace of the Lord you can get your heart right with God confess and forsake your sin and decide here I'm going to serve the Lord and be at peace with God, and that changes something in you. How do I pass that on? You pass that on in times where somebody else is hurting. And, and you say, can I pray with you, friend? And they say, yes. And you pray and you ask God for help. And you, and you meet with that person on a, on a level that you've never connected before. And, 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 and when you end the prayer, that person, the, the tears are rolling down their cheeks and they feel the sense of relief. And what's just happened? You passed on the peace of Christ to that person. That's how. Yes. That doesn't matter. Yeah. No, I want people to ask questions. I've never had a problem with you guys asking questions. Yeah. Absolutely. How are you going to learn if you don't ask questions? And we, we can't, hang on, hold that thought. This perpetual peace that, that we receive from the Prince of Peace. 
Is your life marked with peace? If not, may I present you to Christ who gives us peace. A peace that, according to the Bible, passes all understanding. Well, I hope you enjoyed uh, today's episode. If you have any questions, feel free to email us at ServantsHeartChapel at gmail.com. Also, we have a website, ServantsHeartChapel.org. We also have a Facebook page, so you're welcome to check us out. Love to hear from you, prayer requests, anything you may need. We are here for you. Have a wonderful and blessed day.